Good morning. I'll give you a second to recover. Good morning. Hey, there it is. Well, I am so happy to be here with you guys at Lighthouse. Um, man, I love coming back here. This church has been so significant uh, in my family's life. Um, this church has people that are the first people I call when something goes right, first people that I call when something goes wrong, first people that I call when I need advice. I love, I absolutely love being back here, uh, and it is a privilege to be able to share. And we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11 today, so if you've got a Bible, go ahead and open up to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to start reading in verse 1. While you're turning there, uh, like Doug said, my name's CJ, and I work at a church called The Fold in Greenville, South Carolina. We're a recent church plant that is populated largely by millennials who have uh, deconstructed, walked away from the church, been hurt by the church, or for whatever reason are disconnected from, um, from faith completely, um, which we find a lot of those surprisingly in the Bible Belt. Um, so that's, that's a little bit about me and where I serve, I mean, I'm excited to talk about faith this morning. Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to start in verse 1. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what, what is seen was not made out of what is visible. By faith, Abel brought a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. Before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith... It is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him to the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly home. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead, and so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac. Isaac back from the dead. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, by faith. You get the picture. Faith is the theme. We on the same page? Awesome. Let's pray. 
Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we come to you today, surrender to your word. God, I ask that over the next few minutes, if there's anything that's just my opinions or my perspectives, that it would be revealed so it can be rejected. But God, what is from you? Let it echo in our hearts. And in a little while when we leave, let the name of Jesus be the only name that matters to us. Because we're here for you. We love you, Jesus. Amen. This is kind of a weird way to start a sermon, but I've realized something recently. Um, And that is that I am fairly normal. (laughs) Some of you know me well enough to call that into question, and that hurts my feelings. Uh, Seriously, like when I was young, when I was in like middle school, high school, even early college, I did not want to be normal. People didn't understand me and my friends. We were different. We were unique. We weren't conformist. It wasn't just a phase, mom. Turns out it was. But at that time, it wasn't a phase, mom. We were different. We were bucking the system. So we did what all of the nonconformists did. We dressed the way nonconformists normally dress, and we listened to the music nonconformists normally listen to, you know, because we weren't normal. And then I started to get older, and I don't know if this happened to you or not, um, but I had this dawning realization that the decisions that I make have repercussions in life. That like things that I do, good or bad, mistake or not, can affect the rest of my life. And about that time, I made enough mistakes that I started really, really hoping that I was normal. <laughs> because if I was the only one making these mistakes, then I was going down with the ship alone. Um, which is just funny, this is just a side note, but it's interesting that in my experience, most human beings make different iterations of the same mistakes that every other human being makes, but we all want to be normal, so we don't talk about it because we're afraid that we're the only ones making it. So we're all covering up the things that make us normal in an attempt to be normal. That's just a side note. Um, but with that in mind, I want to make a confession. And I think that this is pretty normal. I guess we'll see. I have spent much, if not most of my life, pretty convinced that I did not have faith. At least not enough faith. Not faith like people talk about in sermons. Not the kind of faith to have like an airport salvation conversation. You know how like every pastor or missionary leads somebody to Christ on an airplane? I didn't have that kind of faith. I've, I've had a lot of spiritual moments on airplanes during turbulence. I don't like flying, but like I, I have never had an altar call on an airplane. I, I, I'm being serious. I spent much of my life just convinced that I didn't have much Faith that whatever other people have, because you can see it in other people. I mean, there's a definition for it. We just read it. What seems like the definition of faith? Faith is being confident in the things that you hope for. Faith is being assured of the things that you do not see. And listen, there are a lot of words that you could use to describe my experience in life. And certainty is not a common one. Confidence is a fluctuating one. 
And I grew up in church. My dad's a pastor. I've been in more church services than anybody has the right to go to. I've been in church so many times. And if you've been in church for a while, um, then you've encountered people that it just, it seems like their faith is obvious. It seems like when they pray, that they are 100% convinced of the outcome. Have you ever seen people like that? Like they pray and it seems like the rest of us are praying, but they are on a cell phone with Jesus. Like, yeah, I'll tell them. Like they're just praying in direct conversation with the Lord. Like they're not hoping. They're not rolling the dice. They're not asking God for, they are convinced that everything's going to work out. Like there are people that, that share their faith and they, they go and they give and they do these things and they seem just unaffected by the risk. It seems like they're just completely confident that everything's going to be fine, that everything's going to work out. And maybe you've encountered people that it seems like something negative happens in their life, and they just seem unaffected by it. It's like they quote a Bible verse, pray a prayer, and they're fine. It just, their faith seems to keep them completely anchored in a world that is tumultuous. Their faith seems to somehow disconnect them. Like you look at their life and it seems like whatever world you're living in isn't the same world that I'm living in. They seem completely confident and completely assured. And that has not been my experience in my life of faith, if I can be honest with you. I have spent much more of my life Hoping that this is right. Praying and hoping that I'm praying right. Thinking God probably asked me to do something. And hoping that he actually did. And it seems like this is, it seems like this is what's going on in this, this chapter, that the author of Hebrews, which just for the record, we're not 100% sure, scholars don't really know who wrote Hebrews, some scholars think it was Paul, some scholars think it was Priscilla from the book of Acts, um, some scholars think Hebrews was a speech, not a letter, we don't really know, but it seems like what's going on here is that the author of Hebrews is defining faith for us and then illustrating faith for us. Faith is defined by confidence in what you hope for and assurance of the things you do not see. Here's how that looks. Abel brought a better offering because he was certain. He was confident. Abraham did not withhold Isaac as a sacrifice because he was sure everything was going to work out. He was 100% convinced that everything was going to be fine. Noah built an ark. Because he was sure, he was confident. That's what it seems like is going on here. And when I read this passage, I do what what I think a lot of Christians do. Is I hear this and I think, wow, that would be really cool. I wish I had that. And then I don't really talk about it because I don't want to be the only one who doesn't. I've been doing ministry for, for a while now, and I've had probably hundreds of conversations with people about faith, and I've realized that that's pretty normal. I mean, we don't talk about it. We have to get to a crisis moment in life to talk about how most of the time it feels like we're more holding on by a thread than walking in confidence and assurance. What I've found is that most of the people I talk to, when you get to the heart of the issue, 
have more doubts than they're comfortable admitting. You know, I talk to a lot of believers who talk about uh, they wish they had that faith and passion that new believers have. You know, sometimes when people just come to Jesus, they've got this sort of like, I'm not normal. I'm not going to conform to the pattern of this world. We are passionate. They're about to sell their house and move to Africa. I mean, they are excited and willing to do anything. They are passionate about Jesus. And, and then you live a little bit and you start to realize that obedience can affect the rest of your life. <laughs> you start to realize that those decisions cost something. Sometimes they cost a lot. And for most of us, it's not that we like stop praying or we stop giving. It's just that we don't have that passion. We don't feel confident anymore. We don't feel like we're praying in faith. We listen to other people pray in faith. And we think, man, I wish I could pray like them because they seem so confident. And we keep praying. But we're praying, hoping everything's going to work out, not confident of any sort of answer. We give, not confident that God's going to provide for our needs, but just... Rolling the dice. Interestingly enough, the Greek word for faith here is the word pistis, which should make us think of words like epistemology or epistle. It has to do with knowledge. Um, but in order to understand what's really going on in this word, we need to do a thought experiment. So, so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you a question. I just want you to raise your hand to answer. Sound good? Sweet. You didn't raise your hand, but that's okay. Uh, anyone, does anyone here follow the royal family? Anybody watch the coronation of King Charles? All right, like four of us. Yeah, nice, nice. All right, so this is going to seem like a weird question. This is going to seem like a weird question, but uh, just roll with me. How many of you believe that there is a King Charles? All right, most of us, most of us. Okay, we believe that he exists. All right, follow-up question. So we believe that King Charles exists. How many of you believe in King Charles? Yeah, not since 1776, right? We had a tea party about it, so we don't have to care. Um, <laughs> what we're talking about here is that when we use the word belief, there are two different ways that that word can work. There's something that we would call propositional belief, where we're proposing an idea where we're saying, here is an idea, or here is a fact that I am sure of. I am sure of an outcome. I am sure of a set of circumstances. So you propose an idea, and you believe that idea. That's part of belief. But we also understand that when we use a word like belief, that we could also be talking about what we might call convictional belief. Belief that is less about the facts and more about my interaction with the facts. More about what I do based on a set of propositions that I believe. So you can believe that Michigan State has a football team or you can believe in Michigan State football. And those things are different. You understand? There's propositional belief and there's convictional belief. Another way we would talk about convictional belief would be a word like loyalty. Or that word can also be translated allegiance. The word pistis is translated other times in the New Testament as faithfulness, which isn't the belief in idea, but it's an action based in loyalty to something. It's just consistently doing the same thing, consistently showing up. 
If you go outside of the New Testament, then what you find is ancient writings that use this word to reference people like Caesar, the ruler of the known world. You would place your faith in Caesar, and it wasn't a propositional belief. You weren't saying, I believe Caesar is a king. You were saying, I believe Caesar is my king. It implies loyalty. Or it would be used in military applications where you might sign up for a military unit and you would pledge your faith to that captain or that leader. And that certainly doesn't mean that you believe things about the captain as much as it means that you are willing to obey that captain whether you believe or see the outcome or not. Pledging faith has something to do with our propositional ideas, but it's got just as much to do with our loyalties. When the word faith is used in Scripture, it is encompassing both propositional belief and convictional belief. It's talking about the things we know, but more directly, it's talking about whether we're loyal to those things or not. So here's what I want to tell you this morning. Praying in faith has a lot less to do with surety of the outcome than it has to do with praying anyway. Listen, there are some of us in this room who you, like me, have felt for years that you just don't have faith. You don't have enough faith. That your faith is small compared to everybody else. Because the stories that you've heard have been stories of confidence and stories of surety and stories of, and stories of everything working out and stories of people who seem just unflappable, who seem unaffected by life. And you're looking at your life and you're saying, I have been affected. I am not confident, but I just keep praying anyway. And here's what I want you to know this morning. A prayer of faith is a prayer anyway. A prayer of faith is a prayer where you choose to pray even though you really don't think at this moment that everything's going to work out. You just choose to do it anyway. A prayer of faith is a prayer of loyalty. See, what we're sure of as followers of Jesus is one thing, and that's that Jesus is king. We don't have to be sure of much else. But we choose loyalty to the king, and that's called faith. We pray anyway. We give anyway. See, I don't think the author of Hebrews was giving us a definition of faith. I think the author of Hebrews was telling us the result of faith. Faith is confidence in what you hope for. Do you feel like you've got a lot of things that you hope for in life and you just don't have a lot of confidence that they're going to come through? Do you have a lot of things you are hoping that the Lord is going to do for you, but if you're honest when you look in the mirror and no one else is around, you just don't feel very confident about it? Well, the confidence that you're longing for comes from faith. It comes from choosing loyalty to Jesus consistently so that even when you didn't think it was going to work, every time he actually comes through, it builds your confidence just a little bit. That uncertainty that you feel. Does any of this make sense? Those moments when you're like, I'm going to keep following Jesus even though today I'm not sure if there is a God. I know I'm not really supposed to say that from a stage with a microphone, but I've been there. Have you been there? If you haven't, you probably will be. Let me just tell you that. We don't talk about it. But no, faith is those days where you think, 
I don't know if any of this is real. But I'm just going to, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to choose loyalty to Jesus, whether it makes sense or not in this moment. I'm going to choose loyalty to Jesus, whether I can see the outcome or not in this moment. You know why Abraham took Isaac up the mountain? Do you know why Noah built an ark? It wasn't because they were sure everything was going to work out. It's because they were loyal to God, and they couldn't see an outcome. But they chose to trust him, whether they could see the outcome or not. You know, I mentioned earlier, I work at a church that's full of deconstructed millennials, uh, people who have been hurt by the church, people who have had leaders who represent God to them that have let them down, um, some people who never had any affiliation with church. Um, And I've walked through, with quite a few people, walked through what we would call like a deconstruction process, where they've wrestled with their faith, they might have rejected their faith, or they've brought their faith into question. I mean, one of the things that we like to say at our church is that we are a doubt-safe community. Your, Your doubts are welcome here. Uh, Your questions are welcome here. You do not have to pretend like you have the answers. You don't even have to pretend like you believe the way we do to be here. We're happy that you're here. We like Jesus, and we think you should too, but we're happy that you're here no matter what. But there's this interesting thing. As we interact with people who have questions and doubts and concerns, and many of those questions and doubts are valid, if you're reading through the Old Testament and it seems confusing and difficult and you're wondering why there's so much violence, don't pretend like the questions aren't there. Wrestle with it. Ask the questions. As we wrestle through these things with people, here's here's the conclusion that we often come to. We've answered the questions. We've wrestled. You're convinced that Jesus is king, but will you let him be your king? Because we will never really run out of questions. And we will find some with really good answers and some that don't have answers. But what it's always going to come down to is Now that you're convinced of Jesus, are you going to choose loyalty to him? Or are you going to feign certainty or wait until it feels right? Because I've been following Jesus for a long time and, and it hasn't felt right all the time. So there are there are two ways that this idea can strike us this morning. You've you've probably already seen this. We've probably felt this. For some of us, you're here, and this is an encouraging message because you have struggled with doubts, and you're finally realizing that you're normal. (laughs) And you need to hear that that prayer that you prayed when you didn't think it was going to work was the greatest prayer of faith you can pray because you prayed anyway. That gift you gave when you didn't think it was going to be okay was the greatest gift you could give, no matter how big or small, because you gave anyway. The time you went or served or showed up or forgave someone, even though you weren't sure any of it was going to work out, that was the greatest moment of faith. I heard a a missionary say one time that the greatest moments of faith in our lives don't feel like faith in the moment. They feel like barely hanging on. But it's only when you look back on them that you realize they were great moments of faith because you realize you didn't quit, and that's what faith was. It was just living in loyalty, even though it didn't make sense in that moment. It was just not quitting. Some of us need to hear an encouragement from Jesus that says, I see your faith. You know, just for the record, uh, sometimes when we read the life of Jesus, Jesus calls his disciples, oh, you of little faith. And we imagine he's very condescending, and that gives us shame 
in our relationship to faith as if Jesus is like, come on, you don't have that much faith. There are some scholars who think that that phrase was actually a pet name that Jesus gave his disciples. It was little faiths. It was the way he would refer to them with affection. He'd be like, oh, little faiths, come on. It was actually encouraging. Jesus was encouraging their little faith because he was the same guy who said the faith of a mustard seed can move a mountain. He obviously doesn't have a problem with faith that feels small. (laughs) There are others of us here, and it's interesting, as I found this in my own life, and as I've been doing ministry for a while, I've seen this, that generally there are two types of people who are Christians. There are those of us who don't think we have faith, (laughs) but we do, because we keep living in loyalty to Jesus, and there are people who do think we have a lot of faith, but don't actually live in loyalty to Jesus. Because we believe the propositional things about Jesus. We believe Jesus is God, but we have never questioned whether, uh, I don't know, our beliefs about race have anything to do with our allegiance to Jesus, or our beliefs about generosity, or our politics, or our sexual ideology or ethics, or anything like that. We, We believe things about God, but we haven't yet pledged our allegiance and everything to Christ. Fortunately, Jesus is merciful and generous and kind to us consistently and forgives us no matter what. So the question that's presented today is, do you need to receive encouragement of your faith from Christ or do you need to choose to give your allegiance to Jesus? And there's one more thing, um, because this is, this is missions month. And, and some of you are probably thinking, okay, CJ, cool, faith, awesome. What does this have to do with missions? Um, everything. Because we don't work at a church plant in Greenville, South Carolina, because we're sure it's going to work. And this church plant lived through a pandemic. Some of you don't know this, the full story, but we went through um, a moral failure with one of the planters of the church. It was, it's been a really significant journey that we've walked through. There have been a lot of times where it should have failed, and there will be a lot more times in the future where it probably should fail. We don't do it because we're sure. We do it because we're loyal to Jesus. And there are a lot of days where we're not sure and we don't think it's going to work, but we just keep doing it anyway. You know, the people planting churches in India with IREF, they don't do it because they are sure that everything's going to be okay. They don't do it because they are sure they're never going to face persecution. No, they go because they're loyal to Jesus. They don't go because they don't have any doubts. They go because they've chosen loyalty to Jesus. Do you know why churches plant churches and send missionaries? Do you know why a church like Lighthouse plants churches and sends missionaries? It's not out of some sure or promised outcome. We do not invest in the kingdom of God and expect a return. Now, yes, we should give our money to trustworthy places who have accountability and clear vision. All of that's true. But we don't invest in the kingdom of God expecting some sort of return. We plant churches no matter how many of them fail because Jesus said to plant churches and he's our king because we're loyal to Jesus. We send missionaries, whether they lead anyone to Christ or not, we keep sending them because Jesus said to go into all nations and make disciples and we are loyal to him. We're not promised an outcome. We don't go with some sort of fake confidence that everything's going to be fine. We go with loyalty to Jesus, and Jesus proves himself faithful. This is what we do as followers of Jesus. This is what we do as churches. We respond with loyalty to the way of Jesus because he is our king, and our king says our questions are okay and our doubts are welcome. 
Our king is okay with the discomfort of life. Our king suffered in the Garden of Gethsemane bleeding drops of blood and begged God to find a different way to do it. He's familiar with the pain and uncertainty of life. He just did it anyway because he was loyal. This is why we send missionaries. This is why we go. So for those of you today who have felt like your faith is tiny and nothing, hear the Holy Spirit whisper, as long as you just keep going, that's faith enough. As long as you just keep praying, that's faith. For those of you who have believed in God but not let him be your God, it's time to let Jesus be king of everything. It's time to choose loyalty to the way of Jesus. And as a church, as a community, let us, let the fold, let Lighthouse be people who continue to send missionaries, who continue to send churches, who continue to plant churches and support missional chaplains and feed people in the community. Not because there's some projected outcome, but because we are loyal to Jesus. Because he's our king. That's why Abraham went up the mountain, and that's why we keep showing up every week. Because we're loyal to Jesus. So we're going to close. The band's going to play a song called The World Needs Jesus. And as we sing, I just want to, as you know, the altars are always open, but maybe there are some of you today that you just need to come up and pray a prayer of faith and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to your heart because you have been, maybe you've been praying for a child and you have been waiting for transformation in that child's heart and it's just not coming and you keep praying even though you're starting to not believe it's going to work anymore. I just want to invite you to the altar to keep praying because that is a prayer of faith. That is significant faith. Every time you pray the prayer again, that is significant faith. Maybe there's some of us here today that need to repent because we have not been living in loyalty to Jesus. Come to the altar and proclaim your loyalty to Jesus. Maybe there's somebody here today and God has put it on your heart to plant a church or to be a pastor or to become a missionary, to go across the world to follow Jesus. And you've been saying, I don't have enough faith to do that. I'm not one of those faith-filled people who could plant a church. That's not me. But if you're loyal to Jesus, then that's what you need. So it is you. If God's put it on your heart, then respond to the call of the Lord. And maybe there's a pastor, maybe there's a church planter, maybe there's somebody in this room who God has put it on your heart to plant the church to to my generation, to the millennial generation of people that CNN called the black hole generation in 2011 because they're gone from church. Maybe God's called you to plant one of those churches and you've been thinking, I don't have enough faith. But guess what? The millennial generation needs people who will admit they don't have much faith. They're just loyal to Jesus. Maybe that's you. Whatever faith you feel like you have, when you choose loyalty to Jesus, when you choose to keep showing up, to keep praying the prayer, to give anyway, that's faith. That's the act of faith. That's the act of faith that moves the heart of God. Keep showing up. Keep praying. Choose loyalty to Jesus because he is a good king. And even though you're not confident right now, here's what I promise you. Listen, I'm going to be done. I know I'm going over. There have been so many times in the last five years that I have thought, it can't work, Jesus. There's no way this is going to work out. I want to quit. I'm done. You called the wrong person. I'm done. 
But for some reason, out of stubbornness or something, my wife and I would go pray about it and we would just say, you know what? I don't think it's going to work, but let's just stay. Let's just not quit. And then if it fails, it was God's fault, not ours. <laughs> and guess what it hasn't done yet? It hasn't failed yet. And my confidence is building slowly. I don't know, maybe someday I'll lead somebody to Christ on an airplane. Who knows? But you show up. You choose loyalty to Jesus and the faith builds. And your confidence grows. Your, your surety grows because you see his faithfulness. Faith is built from faith. Transformation comes from faith. This is the way of Jesus. It's the way of loyalty to his ways. Your doubts are welcome. God doesn't need you to pretend like everything's fine. He just needs you to let him be your king. we know we know that you are king and you are good and you are faithful and you are kind we know that to be true we believe that so God stir in our hearts the loyalty it takes to keep showing up because I know I know that you are not unfamiliar with the days where I want to quit I know you're not unfamiliar with the days where it doesn't make any sense know that, that you understand that experience. So God, stir in our hearts the loyalty to just keep praying, just keep showing up one more day, one more time. Show us your faithfulness and your goodness. And we know, God, we know that the outcome is in your hands. We just obey. So make us people of faith. Jesus.